I'm starting off crying, so that's not a good sign. <laughs> oh, but I am so excited. This is actually my um, the last time that I have to get up here and do this. I mean, doesn't that say? I absolutely love it, and um, it scares the living daylights out of me every single time. But I actually can't see not not standing up and talking about his wonderful, wonderful things that he does. So thanks for listening to me. (laughs) Oh, gosh. We are only like three weeks away, ladies, and we're done with the tabernacle. This has uh, been an awesome week for me. Um, I believe, honestly, that this message has the opportunity to alter our lives and our walk with the Lord. Um, He started my time off of preparing for this message by doing it and letting me witness it. And um, the gal who got to receive the flowers from the very first raffle ticket, her name is Megan. She's visiting with us today. But I got to pray with her on Friday. She came to know, well, she, she actually prayed with Aaron Boatman about 40 days ago or so. Her, her process took 40 days. Uh, she has an amazing story. If you get an opportunity to talk with her, you've got to hear it. But the Lord really rescued her in an amazing way. And then today he gave her flowers to prove it. <laughs> so, so glad that you're here, Megan. So grateful for the opportunity to sit on the sidelines. Um, So we're going to jump in. I I have a question for you, though. Who really likes to get a guarantee in life? Like if you're going to buy something, you want a guarantee, right? Yeah. Have you found out that those, the products that always say, oh, money back guarantee, do they actually live up to that? No. And it's always the things that you need the most, right? It's skincare. It's hair stuff. It's diet fads. It's like, I need these things to work. And then they don't deliver. And I'm not one who sends anything back because it's too much work. So I don't get my money back. But I am here today to tell you that there is an absolute guarantee in life. And his name is Jesus. Yeah. The last few weeks, we spent a lot of time learning, um, again, details of the priesthood under Aaron, his sons, and the Levites. That earthly system of the tabernacle is done. It's done. It served its purpose. Every part of it points us to God's plan of salvation, right? You guys know that well by now. At Christ's death, the veil was torn, and then the temple was destroyed in 70 AD. We haven't gotten to that, but just trust me. Jesus is now the only entrance into the presence of God. Now, we're not done exploring the tabernacle. Next week, you're going to go into the Holy of Holies. But for today, my teaching is going to be just about Jesus. We have someone greater the true dwelling place of God. We spent time in the book of Hebrews this week, and that the message of Hebrews is through and through that Jesus is better than any and all things that have ever come before. I'm going to quote from um, actually a day of our homework, day four. Uh, Aaron says, um, Aaron could fulfill his duty to the letter of the law. He could work his hands to the bone and never miss a sacrifice, but he could not truly meet the people's needs. He was powerless to make unrighteous people righteous. How could he? He couldn't even make himself righteous, right? Well, Hebrews 8.1 says, But now we have such a great high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. 
That's that heavenly reality that we keep, we've been talking about since week one, that there's a real reality of all this stuff that we've been talking about down here. In Hebrews 4, 14 to 16, it says, Well, since then that we have this great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. In other words, believe into it. Keep believing, ladies, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. We learned that this week. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And that's what my sweet friend Megan experienced this week. She drew near to the throne of God and she found that need met in Jesus. And that's our invitation now every day, ladies. We're being invited by Jesus to approach, to draw near with confidence to the throne, directly into his presence to help us in our time of need. Do you have needs? Anybody in here have any needs? <laughs> every day, all day long? So first note, write it down, draw near, draw near. Our passage for today is just going to be one verse, but man, it is packed and it's going to take me the full 30 minutes. Hebrews 7.25. I'm going to read it first from the Amplified Version. Um, I like the Amplified Version because it always adds a bunch of synonyms for some of the key words that are in the verse. So um, as I read from it, um, it starts out, Therefore he, Jesus, is able also to save to the uttermost, completely, perfectly, finally, and for all time and eternity, those who come to God through him, since he is always living to make petition to God and intercede with him and intervene for them, meaning you. Save to the uttermost, completely. I hope those words sink into your heart and become a place of rest and peace for you more today than ever. Back on page 157 in your study guide, Beth was speaking of her husband and their adopted son, Michael. Um, I think if you didn't get to that day, the story is that they adopted a, a young boy, but he didn't come to them as a baby. He came a little bit later. And so he brought a lot of his past and his struggles with him. And so she quotes her husband, Keith, as saying, I just want to love Michael into wholeness. Now, in that situation, Keith had love for Michael and a deep desire I'm sure to see Michael made whole and complete in those areas that he was broken in. But Keith lacked the power to really do that for Michael. How about you? Do you find yourself feeling discouraged or hopeless over things that are broken or feeling tangled up inside of you? Do you find yourself longing to experience wholeness? I know I do. It's been a long journey, but there's still so many things that I'm waiting on the Lord to fix. We need someone with power to make that happen. Good news. With God, all things are possible. And today, we're going to be reminded that he is able. I love having Christina right in front of me. She always has this little nice, yeah. <laughs> There's a joke between me and Priscilla. When I look, when I look in the back, she's like. <laughs> oh, gosh. So... We need someone with power. Well, we have Jesus. He is love and he is power. Therefore, once we come to him in faith and believe, he's able to love us moment by moment into that wholeness and completeness that we were made for. 
This is what he lives to do. That's what our verse says today. We're going to unpack all of that, and it's amazing. And if you don't know this yet, it's going to really bless you. So Beth chose a word from the King James Version here in our viewer guide. So here's your first fill in the blank. King James Version says it this way, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. So we're going to look at the first half of this verse. It's the promise of Hebrews 7.25. Therefore he is able to save completely. Able. So what does that mean? We think, oh yeah, I know what that means. Uh, but I'm going to give you the Greek transliteration. Anyway, it's dunamai, which means it's powerful too. There's something about this word, though. It means it's inherent ability, inherent ability and power to accomplish a task or goal. You see, it's just inherent in Jesus and God the Father and the Holy Spirit. It's who he is. He is power. It's not just that he has power. Once we come near to God as his friend, as his child, it's just what he does because of who he is. Does that make sense? I mean, as I was sitting and thinking about this, I was um, sitting out by my fire pit um, on Halloween night, and I was thinking about uh, fire. Like, fire is just hot. It's just what it is. And the longer you sit next to it, the hotter you get, <laughs> right? So what fire is, it just seeps onto you. And that's the idea that I start like, that's it. God is power. And we're always saying, oh, just get, get near to God, get near to God. But the reality is, is because he is power, the closer you are to him, which Jesus has made you be able to come right into his presence, the more his power seeps onto you for transformation. So I'm sure that you have people in your lives that you love deeply. You cry along with them in difficult circumstances. I know I got to experience that with Megan and Aaron on Friday. But you realize you don't have the power to fix or change anything. And there's nothing more heartbreaking in that moment. You feel so incapable. But Jesus is the one who can. He is able. He has the love and the power. And you need to get them to Jesus. Wherefore, he is able to save. What does the word save mean? I mean, I'm saying that in a room full of women who have probably been following Jesus for a long time, right? But I know I've continued to develop my understanding of what that means. For a lot of believers today, to be saved means that once you come to Jesus, you've been saved from the penalty of sin before God, and now you're going to heaven, right? You kind of picture it as something that happened in that moment, and you will reap the benefits when you pass away and you see him face to face. That's true, but that's only one layer of it. There's so much more. So here's your first fill in the blank. The word save is the Greek word sozo. The, the deeper aspect of it means it, uh, to deliver, to protect, either literally or figuratively, to heal, to preserve, to do well to something, to be or to make whole. So Jesus' priesthood is permanent and eternal, based on an indestructible life. He never dies, unlike the Levitical priest. He can save forever and completely because he exists eternally. Those old sacrifices that we looked at by the Levitical priesthood, they partially and temporarily covered sin, but they didn't remove anything about sin. They just covered it. They did not to any degree or length of time bring deliverance or salvation from sin for the people either. And I'm going to keep repeating this, but Jesus Christ is able, perfectly able. That's what he has done. It's what he is doing and will do for you from now into eternity. You know, our souls were completely renewed at the moment we believed with our heart. The stain of sin before God completely removed by Jesus' death. 
but we're going to live out that reality, that renewal every single day as we allow him to work it through us. That's the work Jesus is doing as he intercedes for us. And we keep saying, draw near, and as we let him, because I have had very close, dearest loved one in my life who knew Jesus, but for all kinds of reasons, she just didn't let him work in her life. And it was the most heartbreaking thing of all, to not be able to see that Jesus came to give us life, and to give us life abundantly now, not waiting for heaven. And she would just always say, I just want to go to heaven, I just want to go to heaven, I just want to be done with this life. When you look at me, you don't see all the wonderful results yet. My husband can attest to that. But he's working new life into me little by little, and he has been for 34 years. And it's amazing and glorious as you begin to realize and experience this process of his saving power. I know that I look back on my life, and I am not who I was. And that makes me excited because then I know that I'm not all that I'm yet going to be, right? So I keep drawing near to God. Like I tell you ladies too, I ask, I seek, I love him with my heart. And he keeps doing this work of saving me to the uttermost. The word preserve is also a really part of this uh, important part of the definition because sozo also means that daily and continually he keeps us safe and sound and he rescues us from dangerous situations. Um, and it was really cool because in the middle of preparing this, I have literally had this thought. My daughter had been in Hawaii um, with uh, my son-in-law. I hadn't been thinking much about it. And like all of a sudden, I just got this thought, you should pray for Michaela. And I'm like, oh, yeah. Just gonna... Oh, my gosh, Lord, I don't know where she is right now, but would you just watch over and keep them safe? I had not been looking at my phone. I go to my phone 30 minutes later, and she had texted me and said, Mom, we're on the road to Hana, and our fob, our key fob battery died and we can't start the car. And so, but when I, well, then she had texted me back going, oh my gosh, it completely started up again for us. They got themselves out of the road of Hanukkah. Now, you know, you can say coincidence or not, but <laughs> bottom line, I felt like because I was in the middle of this, it's like he's preserving us all the time. He's working behind the scenes, you know? And he moved on my, my heart to do that so he could say, hey, here's a little gift. Here's a little gift, you know? So, and I was able to tell her, and of course, they always like, oh, if mom's praying, we're good. If mom's praying, we're good. I mean, I love that kind of confidence, right? <laughs> Salvation now is about moving us from brokenness into wholeness, preserving us all along the way, saving us from living below, pay attention to this one, saving us from living below what we were made for and causing us to live up to and out of God's given purposes for us. So salvation is much more than just going to heaven. It's bringing heaven to us and to those around us. I'm going to say uh, one more little quote here I found. The nature of salvation is bringing men and women near to God. So by Christ delivering us from sin, it qualifies us now, right, to be in his presence. That's that fire analogy again, the fiery presence. That nearness to God's presence just can't help but bring transformation to our lives on a continual basis. Restoring, renewing, chains being broken, joy being restored, the blind seeing and the lame walking in a spiritual sense. So to the uttermost. So isn't it comforting to stop and realize that you're not on this journey alone and that life um, that you're on with Jesus because you're not stuck and you're not trapped in old habits and behaviors. He's saved you to eternity with him. Now he's interceding and walking with you, unraveling those habits and behaviors one step at a time. You've got to pay attention. You've got to listen. 
I hope that's comforting somebody here today. It's already done it for me, so we're good, right? <laughs> okay, we got our next fill in the blank here. We're going to look at the word uttermost. And this Greek word is up there for you, and you've got your fill in the blanks. I'm going to jump to what it means. So to the uttermost means all. In every way, all to the furthest limits of the work of God in each one of us until it reaches its ultimate goal and find its completion in Christ. We're, we're those ones that are on our way. We are made in the image of God and we are going to be made complete in the image of God. And we're going to be like him when we see him. It's a whole lot bigger than the word uttermost sounds. You see, he can save us from anything. He can save us from cancer. He can save us from falling off a cliff. He can save us from our key fob battery dying. But the point is greater than that. He saves us to something, to a complete forever salvation, to the uttermost. On the top of page 159 is our next bullet point. Uh, this phrase, to the uttermost, it is only found in one other place of the New Testament. This is where it got so amazing to me. Uh, many commentaries point this out. The only other place that you'll find this phrase is in Luke 13, 10 through 17. The whole story is in those verses. I'm only going to touch on the part that uh, relates to the, to the phrase that we're looking at here. So I'm going to read it to you because I don't think I put it up there. No, but it's in Luke 13, 10 through 17, starting at verse 10. Now he, Jesus, was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over. Now she was like, from what I understand, like a complete like 45 degree angle. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. He laid his hands on her and immediately she was made straight and she glorified God. It's hard to see the phrase to the uttermost here, but it's in verse 11. It says, she was bent over and could not straighten up at all. Even the word dunamize in that verse, in other words, it would read, she was without power to straighten herself up to the uttermost, utterly without power. Your fill in the blanks here come from several other different commentaries that just con confirm that that's what this means. She was utterly unable, quite unable, not able to straighten up at all, and further completely unable. So why are we looking at these two together? Well, in only two times in all of Scripture, one is used about a woman who has been dealing with a condition for 18 years. You go on in the story, Jesus attributes it to some type of satanic spirit disabling her. She was completely unable to straighten up until Jesus touches her and heals her. Then the other time we saw the phrase, to the uttermost, is when it's used of Jesus able to save to the uttermost those of us who come to God through him who are completely unable to save ourselves. It's like, wow, do you see the correlation? It's so cool. And Beth goes into the video here on her own story, and she has a similar story to mine. And so I was reminded of my story. And about 34 years ago, Jesus came to me in a way like he did this woman. I wasn't physically bent over like she was. I was walking pretty straight up by the world's standards. But the truth inside was that the experiences I had had in life up to that point had brought me internal brokenness, hurt, pain, misdirected desires. I was confused, fearful. I was conditioned not to trust. I lived in shame. On the inside, I was bent over. I'd been hurt by the people who should have cared for me and shown me love and direction. I'd been hurt by the world I was growing up in. 
To be honest, though, I didn't realize I was hurting or bent over in shame. I thought I was doing pretty good. I became a people-pleasing, peacekeeping, but ambitious overachiever. I realize now that to cope, I lived a false life and just pushed the pain down. I just figured, well, this is life. This is the way it is. I didn't know it could be any different. I wonder if anybody here can relate to that. 18 years is a long time. In our brokenness, we develop the habit of stooping over, along with a lot of other negative and dysfunctional habits. And we're just ready to give up and accept who we are. We can't lift our face anymore. We live face to the floor. One of the commentaries suggests that when Christ says the in the NIV, woman, you are set free, it translated this way. I love this. God's release has come for you. And it's like, Megan, God's release came for you, came for me. It came for so many of us here. So what might have you bent over today? God's release came for me on March 27th, 1989, when he sweetly and gently but powerfully touched me and released me from what had me bound. He began helping me walk toward wholeness. I didn't realize over most of the years what he was doing. That's how marvelous he is. He's doing things for us ladies all the time. And so often we only see our struggles and we forget the promises Jesus has for us. I was immediately awakened to his love supernaturally, and then he moved me to turn and walk towards him. And it wasn't immediately complete and perfect. I have a lot further to go. But as I began walking back toward him, learning to draw near his fiery presence, I've had my eyes opened. I've experienced renewal and restoration. He's used his word, his people, my trials, the world. He uses everything. Now it's all being used for my salvation from the power of sin. He's the one to love me rightly and to give me the direction I need. And I realized doing this, it's because of God the Father's love for me and you and Jesus' dedication of interceding along with the Father to uniquely reshape our hearts and souls by his Spirit as we stay near and abide in his word. So it's our prayer here today that God's release would come for someone in whatever area that you need. Do we believe that he who said, let there be light, can say, let there be light and healing over you today? And there would be? Yes, absolutely. We're, we all are living proof of this. Luke 13, 13 said he touched her and healed her and she straightened up and praised God. When he touches, there is meant to be a straightening up. We go around saying, praise God, he healed me, he healed me. But oftentimes we don't have a lot of straightening up, face to the sky kind of behavior. We get caught in focusing more on our struggles than we focus on the promises and how to receive them. He's able to save to the uttermost what has long been utterly impossible for us to do. You think that because you've been in this state for as long as you have that your past gets to prophesy your future, but that's a lie. Do we let our history define us or do we let our God's promises of healing work transform us? God's release has come for you, so press into every ounce of it. It's not just to get you to heaven, but to get heaven into you. What else is so important about this is that as this is happening to us, we're displaying his power of transformation to the world around us, right? Everyone in that synagogue that day saw that woman changed. People from my past can testify, I'm not that same Christy. So know who you are, know what God has for you, and partake of the divine power that's available for you. And remember that this, this is important, that the process of saving us to the othermost is a slow and lifelong but certain process. It is a guarantee, but so often we don't see it or feel it fast enough. We can even wonder if he's there at all. Is he really at work? But don't give up. 
Don't believe the lies that may say you're too far gone for God to do this in your life. Instead, get near the fire of his presence. Take him up on his word. It is slow and steady process, but it's a promise and it's a guarantee. The invitation, or I say exhortation this time, a much stronger command is draw near to God through Jesus. That is what helps guarantee the process to go faster, I believe. At least that's been my experience. Moving on to the last part of the verse, because he ever lives to make intercession for us. So what is that intercession made of? What is the heart and tone of it? Do you wonder what he's saying about you? Well, part two of this verse is the passion of Hebrews. Here's our next fill in the blank. Romans 8.27 tells us that this intercession is according to the will of God. God's will versus our will. We all have opinions and desires about how we want our life to go, right? But remember, he's the one saving us. We're the ones in need of being saved. We don't want things to go according to our will anymore. Now, there's a verse in Acts 13, 36, speaking to Paul is talking about David. And he says, for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, his body decayed. In other words, once he filled his role, he, he passed away and died. But David served God's purpose. That's what he wants to say over each of us. Christy, Priscilla, Aaron, Charlotte. <laughs> the most important thing that we can say about intercession here is that it is about God getting his will, his purpose accomplished for our lives done in us. We have one turn around this planet. At what point do we decide we want this thing to count? Before the foundation, God chose that you would be on this planet in this generation, for this time in this culture. It wasn't haphazard. A whole lot of what Christ is talking to God the Father about is interceding on your behalf for the fulfillment of God's great purpose over your life. And it's going to be more than you have even imagined or conceived. We should want to serve God's purpose in our generation starting now. Wake up to the fact that you have a powerful Savior who is interceding for you. All you have to do is draw near. Also wake up to the fact that we will never feel more fully alive than when we are walking in the purposes and plans we were made for. So what does it look like for you to draw near? Find ways to be near God. Pray, listen, study, be in community with other believers. Just asking and desiring to know him brings God near. If you feel you struggle with believing, ask him to help you. Know him that, that he's for certain who he says he is. So we're going to look at this word purpose here again. Serve his purpose. I think you've got to fill in the blank here for this word. I don't know how to say it. Boule. Um, <laughs> the word itself is distinct in the fact that it means deliberation and reflection. And this is kind of cool. Um, this is a commentary here from your study. It says, yeah, I didn't... The word boule is the first stage of inward deliberation, and it's also the result of, of the final stage of inner deliberation. But this word means that God puts thought, intention, deliberation, and reflection into your purpose and the things going on in your life. Now, did you ever think about that? I, I didn't until I did this study. He isn't just praying general prayers for you. He's no longer praying for God's mercy over you every time you confess some sin. No, that part's done because his scars remind the Father that you're forgiven. His intercession is more than that. Jesus thinks about you. 
To quote Beth here, she says, we think that thinking is about learning and that since God already thought about what he was going to do, that he isn't thinking anymore. And then she uses her own example that she wrote this study 14 years ago and she knows it completely. She knows how it ends, but she's taught it four times and she's still obsessed with it and continues to think about its outcome. God thinks towards you and the outcomes of your life. Listen to the words of Psalm 139, 17 through 18 from the New Living. How precious it is, Lord, to realize that you are thinking about me constantly. I can't even count how many times a day your thoughts turn toward me. And when I waken in the morning, you are still thinking of me. (laughs) Can you fathom the idea that God thinks of you like this? That you're calling where you're at has come from his reflection? That there's been counsel in the Trinity over your life? I think of Lisa Brizuela over there, you know? I just got to sit on the sidelines of your life and see how he's done this. God has projects going on towards your life. That's how specific it is. So much worry and anxiety can be relieved when we stop and believe this truth, that God has already got his plans and purposes for us, all for saving us to the uttermost. That's the purpose, and that Jesus is always interceding to make it happen. We can always draw near, tell him, tell him our concerns, say, hey, I don't like what you're doing our fears, and then hopefully we'll tell him some of the things we're really happy and excited about. But then we have to turn it over and just entrust ourselves to his leading. Our part is to believe what he says about himself, surrender to the fact that his plans are the best, and don't fight him over it. It's the journey of faith on our side. On his, it's the side of power and the amazing ways he makes it all come together. He is our guarantee. Last fill in the blank is, uh, again, we get to see this word in 1 Corinthians 12, 11 concerning God's assignment for our spiritual gifts. I'm not going to take the time to read it, but even our spiritual gifts have been thought out. He didn't throw them up in the air and say, now catch them, see who gets what. God stays consistent with our purpose. That's, the part, that's part of what they're discussing as well. Everything we face, every decision we wait on to be made, deliberation is taking place, and it's not trivial or accidental but with purpose, determination, even our tribulations and our sufferings are only approved if God determines they fit toward the purpose. So go with me into these last two passages. Luke 22, 41 and 42. Here Jesus is praying in the garden the night before his crucifixion. He withdrew withdrew a stone's throw away and he prays to the Father and says, If you're willing, Father, take this cup from me, but not my will be done, but yours. That willing is the same word that's used in Acts 13.36 for David fulfilling his purpose. What is Jesus saying to his father? He's saying, if my purpose can still be fulfilled by this cup passing, this terrible death on a cross, then let it pass. But I ask you to do your will, Father, and not mine. And as we know, the, the father did not let this pass. And if anybody there was on the planet, he wouldn't have wanted to suffer. It would have been his son. But the purposes that lay beyond that cross, it was you and I. It couldn't pass. Do you hear what I'm saying? I don't know where you're at in your personal life, what hard things you're going through. We all have things that we would prefer the Father would let pass us by. They may or may not, but it's not going to be haphazard. It will have purpose, because if it's not God's purpose for my life in this generation, it will be a no. But if it's critical for me to serve my purpose now, then the cup stays. There's a perfect living example, and the last one we're going to look at is Luke 22, again, 31 through 32. Jesus is speaking to Peter before the crucifixion. He says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat, but I have prayed for you. 
When Jesus says, Simon, Satan is asked to sift you, the word is plural, not singular. Satan is asked to sift all of you disciples, but I have prayed for you, Simon. Suddenly it's singular. Simon, listen, Satan is determined to sift all of you, but I've prayed for you individually. When you turn back, strengthen your brothers. This is a perfect example of what he's doing for you and I. Peter was the one whom Christ granted the enemy to sift. Why? Because that experience was going to be critical to Peter's life in this generation, like it or not. But he'd been prayed for by a son who gets his way with the father. When you turn back, you will be a strength to all you serve. And you follow Peter's story, and you see that's exactly what he was. Ladies, nothing you were allowed to endure or be challenged by is haphazard and done without thought. If the cup did not pass, it was critical. There should be nothing that you and I want more than to serve God's purposes now. Not in a perfect way, but a stumbling, crawling, falling, all the way home, trusting kind of way. And as we do, we will be a light pointing others to the place of hope and salvation. This isn't just about you individually. It's about the whole world knowing who he is. So this is where I'm going to end it. Two minutes to go. It's so important not just to leave here and move on, but instead, after today, go back and take time to meditate on this verse and ask the Holy Spirit, what truth does he want you to take away from it? I've said so many things today, but what, do you, what are you to take away so that it can encourage you to participate more fully in what God has done, is doing, and will do in your life? so that you can experience more and more that beautiful release that has come for you. The enemy wants to keep us from all of this, just keep you face down, bent over in some area of your life, or maybe just waiting for this life to end and get yourself to heaven. Despairing and discouraged, that's Satan's goal all the time. No, Jesus says, woman, God's release has come for you. Now draw near to God. Let him release you to stand up straight, face to the throne of God, and live out your purpose in Jesus. He is saving you to the uttermost. It's a guarantee. I'm going to pray. God, give us trust for you today. Build us up in our faith through this verse. We do not understand, understand the specific whys to life, but this we can know. Your decisions are not quickly thought out and easily cast into our experience. You think about us. Thank you for everything that you're doing in our life. How vast is the sum of your thoughts towards us, O God. If we were to count them, they would be more than the grains of sand. Bless these ladies. Cause your face to shine upon them in so many ways. Um, We love you, Jesus. In your precious name we pray. Amen.